Well, good morning. Welcome to Genesis Church. My name is Michael Amatuza. I'm the student pastor here at our Carmel campus. Uh, it is, I'm standing up here as a joy to watch everybody connecting. And I'll just share with you, this is the one unscripted part of the morning. How about that? Um, this morning as we were praying uh, with the worship team, production team, and um, I was reminded of this truth. Uh, you know, we use this language, I'm going to church, I'm heading to church, we show up to church. Um, but we make up the church, right? Like we are, we are gathering together as Christ's body, as his people, as his sons and daughters. And um, I hope that this morning we're encouraged as we're gathering and we're talking with one another. Like we're here to build each other up in Christ, to worship together, to be with our brothers and sisters, reminded of the fact that this world really ultimately isn't our home, um, that one day we get to experience um, eternity with our Father, but also our, our friends and our brothers and our sisters. And so uh, I'm excited to be here today. I'm excited to share and hopefully encourage you all, encourage the church, and to build one another up today. Uh, as Jerry mentioned, we're going to continue our series, Strong Start, that we have been in. Um, and the, here's, here's kind of the, the overarching idea. The new year often brings about this, this idea of New Year's resolutions and, um, you know, goals that some, that some of us might set for 2024, um, or maybe it kind of brings about this idea of new hope or a, a new start and this inspiration to change the way that we live and to do things differently. And this series isn't about New Year's resolutions. That's not the point. Um, but it does kind of stand as a reminder and as an encourager for us to start this year strong in our relationship with Christ. Or for some of us, it might be an encouragement to continue on strong in our relationship um, with Jesus. And the idea is this, what if as a church, what if as a church, we begin to incorporate some important regular spiritual habits or spiritual disciplines in our life to help us grow closer to and with Jesus? And I think that, that, that it would be life changing for our church if we begin to, to walk closer and intimately with him, not just for our church, but for each of us individually. And I've also been reminded as we've been in this series, the timing of this is really perfect coming out of our with series that we were just in in December, where we were reminded of this powerful truth of Emmanuel, God with us, the God who came to dwell among us. And now his spirit lives in all those who believe and he is with us. And so what would it look like to walk closely with the God who came to be with us? What would it look like to abide in him and remain in him as Jesus taught his disciples and, and, and teaches us to do? And I think it's fair to say all of us want to grow in a relationship with Christ. I'm assuming that's why many, if not all of you are here today, you want to continue to grow in your relationship with Jesus. But for some of us, you know, the problem might be in this growing in a relationship with Christ is maybe you've never been taught what that looks like. How do I tangibly go closer to Christ? What does it look like to grow in that relationship? For others of us, there might be things just like laziness or we could become complacent in our life. Um, or we might just be caught up in the busyness that is life that we get caught up in. And we, we've forgotten about this God who promised to be with us. And so what would it look like to walk closely with him? Um, Hebrews 
12, uh, verses 1 through 2, are kind of the inspiration uh, verse for this series that we're in. And so I want to share it with you today. Uh, The writer says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set out before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And the analogy that the writer uses here, I think is helpful talking about a race because whether you've ran in a race or not, we, we know as the reader, um, nobody enters into a race unknowingly or half-heartedly. If you're a runner, if you've raced before, you're, you're training and you're entering into this race and you know that there's going to be uh, struggles and you know that there's even possible injuries that might take place along the way. Um, Running a race, it takes perseverance and it takes endurance and pushing of oneself. The point that the writer is making here is, hey, on this side of heaven, in a life uh, in pursuit and in faith in Jesus, it's like a race. It has a, a starting point and it has a finish line. The moment we gave our life over to Christ, we began to run this beautiful race. And just like a race, our faith journey on this earth is going to be filled with challenges. It's going to be filled with hardships. And so the writer of Hebrews says that we should throw off everything that hinders, everything that weighs us down. And not just sins, he gets to that in a moment, but he says anything that we're carrying, any weight or burden that we, that we carry that's unnecessary, throw that off. But also sins um, that so easily entangle us, get all of those out of the way so that we can run this race this race that we are, we are meant to run, not just by ourselves, but together. And how do we do this? He says that we should do it by fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, who's the pioneer and perfecter of faith. And that's really the purpose of this series. I hope you've been encouraged over the last couple of weeks as we've talked about silence and solitude and, and prayer um, and I've been, I was thinking about this even as we were worshiping today. It could be a little overwhelming to think about all these practices and like, oh, okay, I got to figure out how to get away and be with God. I got to figure out how, how to pray. Um, and, and each week, maybe it's even building up some level of like, how am I going to handle all of these things and grow my relationship with God? But I hope that one of my prayers this, uh, this, during this series and over this month is that God will kind of reveal to you about how all of these really just come together in a relationship with him. They're not meant to be segmented, all these things that we have to do, but he just desires for us to be with him in silence and solitude. He desires to hear from us as we talk with him. Um, and today we're going to kind of look at what it, what it looks like to hear from him and to be listening to his voice. And so um, I think as we begin this morning, just as the writer talked about uh, fixing our eyes on Jesus, let's do that even now as we come to him in prayer. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for today. Um, I was reminded in this cold weather, God, I am so thankful for a warm room and building to gather in today. Um, God, thank you for some of the things that we just take for granted each and every day. Father, thank you for your church. Thank you for another opportunity to be together in person and to be able to worship you and to celebrate you and, and to glorify you and to build one another up. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who speaks to us. Um, Would you speak to us now, even this morning? Uh, we want to be listening, um, and so help us to, uh, to open our ears and our hearts. We pray all of this in your son's name. Amen. How many of you in here have ever heard the phrase, you are what you eat? Anyone in here? A few of you? Okay. 
My mom used to say this to me growing up, and I was curious as I was preparing this message, where did this phrase come from? And so I looked it up, and I wasn't shocked to learn that it was talking about nutrition and eating healthy foods, and so I guess my mom was right, living on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches maybe isn't the best diet. Um, but, but really, this idea surfaced back in the 1800s, in 1826, when a French lawyer, politician, and famous gastronome wrote, tell me what you eat, and I will tell you what you are. And then the phrase it resurfaced about 100 years later in the 1920s when a nutritionist, Victor Lindlar, used it in association with bad food, um, saying that 90% of the diseases known to man are caused by cheap food that we eat. And then he went on to say, you are what you eat. Now, while Google, Google argues that this surfaced a couple hundred years ago, I want to petition that Jesus really shared this idea nearly 2,000 years ago when he was addressing a group of Pharisees who were trying to accuse him of blasphemy. Only Jesus wasn't talking about healthy food habits and the ways that we should eat, but he was talking about what he often talked about. He was talking about the heart and not the organ, but the innermost part of who we are. Then in Matthew 12, in the back half of verse 34, he says this to the Pharisees, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. What is the point Jesus is making? You are what you eat. You become what you consume. If you put in good, good comes out. If you put in bad or evil, evil comes out. And yes, this is true with the food that we eat, but Jesus is saying this is true in a spiritual sense as well. With the things that we consume each and every day with our eyes and with our ears. And I'll just, I'll tell you this morning, this message really comes from a place of recent conviction in my own life. Um, experiences in my own life. I don't know about any of you, but my wife and I, in the evening, evenings, often we like to watch some TV shows together. It's one of the ways that we'll connect. And um, as a result, though, of watching some of these shows over and over and over again, we can quote lines from these TV shows really well, like really well. And uh, there will just be times where we're out or we'll see something or someone will say something and we'll look at each other and in unison, we'll quote the same line from a show together. Or sometimes nothing has to be said, right? We'll just look at each other across the room and we'll just smile really big because we know we're thinking the exact same thing. I don't know how many of you in here can relate, whether that's with a spouse or with a close friend, um, but we, we can quote these shows really well. And it's sweet and it's part of my relationship with my wife. But a few months ago, as Haley and I were doing that, we were connecting, we were quoting a, a TV show. I, I heard the Holy Spirit whisper to me, Michael, what if you knew my word as well as you know the lines to these TV shows. And it wasn't a voice of condemnation because that's not how our father speaks to us, but instead it was a voice um, saying, hey, I love you and I desire you to know me more than you know anyone or anything else. And this is when I was reminded of that phrase, you are what you eat that what you put in eventually will come out. And the reality is that I didn't set out, we didn't set out to memorize lines from a TV show. That was not the purpose of watching any of this. But we consumed, I consumed so much of it that it began really to overflow out of me. And I believe that what was spoken to me a few months ago really isn't just for me, but it's for all of us. It's for every single one of God's children. It's his heart for every follower of Jesus. It's his heart for his church. He desires us to know him more intimately than we know anyone 
or anything else. And so today we're going to talk about the importance of what we put in, more specifically the importance of meditating and hiding God's word in our hearts. Because if we want to run this race well, if we want a strong start, then we're going to need to hide God's word securely in our hearts. So if you have your Bible this morning, um, will you turn with me to Psalm 119, Psalm 119. If you don't have a Bible, there's uh, Bibles uh, down below in the seats. And if you don't own a Bible, please take that Bible home today as a gift from us to you. Now, Psalm 119, if you don't already know, it's, it's the longest Psalm, but it's also the longest chapter in the Bible. Uh, but we're not going to cover all of Psalm 119 today, but we're going to look at one verse. Psalm 119.11, where the psalmist says this, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now, I want to stop and I want to ask a seemingly obvious question here, but why does somebody hide something? The psalmist says, I've hidden your word in my heart. Why would somebody hide something? What's the purpose of that? I think there's a, a few reasons why. One is uh, that we hide things that are valuable to us. We, we hide things that matter to us. Um, another reason is that we hide things that we don't want to be taken or stolen. Uh, growing up, I remember my dad used to keep some items in a safe deposit box at the bank. And as a child, I didn't really think much of that or understand why he did that. But as I grew older, it began to make sense to me that my dad was protecting things that he found extremely valuable to him. He wanted to hide them somewhere um, where it wasn't easily accessible to other people, where a thief would not have easy access to it. This is what the psalmist discovered, the value of God's word. He says, I have hidden your word in my heart. Your word, God, is so valuable to me that I'm going to put it in a place where others can't take it from me. And this is a simple, but I think a really profound truth that would be easy just to move past but I want to encourage and challenge each of us today to just stop for a moment and maybe ask ourselves this question. Have I discovered the value of God's word? Like in my own life, have I discovered the value of God's word? Do I relate with the psalmist when he says, I've hidden your word, your word is so valuable to me. Do I treasure it? Have I discovered the truth of what is said in 2 Timothy 3, that all scripture is God-breathed? that all of the Bible, all of scripture is inspired by God. Or as the writer in Hebrews proclaimed, that for the word of God is alive and active, that his word is actually living and speaks to us. Do we understand its value and do we, do we treasure it? And there are various writers all throughout scripture uh, that speak of reading God's word. But today I want to I want to share a few reasons why I think it's not only important for us to be reading God's word, but really to know his word and by knowing it, allowing the power of God's word to reshape our lives. And so we're going to look at a few different reasons today why it's so important to hide his word in our heart. And the first is this, we hide God's word in our hearts because it has the power to transform our lives. In Romans, uh, Paul writes these words to, to challenge and encourage the Christians in Rome. And when I read this aloud, some of you may know this verse already. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and his perfect will. Now, if you've grown up in the church like me, some of you may already know that verse. Some of you may even have that memorized. A few years ago, I was reading Romans 12 too, 
um, in NLT. And it's just so simply put the way that it's translated in NLT. And I want to share, with, share that with you today because I think it's just really helpful. It's tangible. It, uh, it says this, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Don't be like the rest of the world, right? But instead, let God transform you into a new person. How? By allowing him to change the way you think. Simply put, what Paul is saying is God transforms us and he renews our minds when we allow him to change the way that we think. That it's God that actually transforms the way that we view everything else. It's his word that, reve- that reveals his will for each of us. And when we hide God's word in our hearts, we begin to actually let him shape the way that we view everything else around us. And this will change everything in our life. This should uh, impact everything. It changes the way that we think and we treat ourselves, but it also changes the way that we think and we treat other people like our family um, or our friends or our coworkers. It even changes the way that we think and we treat some of our worst enemies. But I think it also changes the way that we think and we deal with things like stress in our life or worry or the anxiety that we experience. When we begin to meditate on God's word instead of things like TV shows and social media or the news or work or money or sports or fill in the blank, whatever that might be for you, what we actually begin to find is peace instead of anxiety. We actually experience joy instead of things like anger or sorrow. We begin to trust God instead of worrying I mean, if we stop and we think, what kind of transforming power does a quote or a line from a TV show have? Well, nothing. It has none, right? And there's nothing wrong. I'm not saying there's necessarily anything wrong from memorizing or knowing a quote from a TV show. Of course not. But they have no spiritual or eternal power um, in our lives or anyone else around us. They're lifeless words that are spoken, And I want to be the first to admit to you today, I think this is a good time to say this, I don't have all this figured out. I'm not pretending to have all of it figured out. I am learning what it means to allow uh, God uh, to speak to me, to uh, to hide his word in my heart. And over the last uh, couple of months or several months, um, I've just been working on some small, tangible steps to allow God's word to penetrate my heart and my mind. And one of the ways that I've, I've done that is simply by just replacing what I listen to on a daily basis, on a regular basis. Like when I'm doing some mindless work, whether it's in the office or at home, instead of maybe having the TV with the news on behind me or even maybe my, my favorite playlist of music, instead I've been replacing that with a specific playlist of music that is just God's word from the Psalms or or somewhere in scripture where they're just singing his word. And just that one tangible step, whether I'm sitting there and I'm really cognitively listening or it's just plain, it's began to be transforming in my own life because the things that start to get stuck in my head now are just God's word. Like I find I am singing what his word says, what is true Another th- practice that I have, uh, I've been doing is just finding a default place in Scripture where when I don't know what else to read, this is where I go and I read. And I realized in my life, and, and some of you may do this, some of you may not, uh, I do this with shows. Um, when, we don't, when my wife and I don't know what to watch, we just have a default show. We're like, let's just turn this on. I don't know what else to watch. And so I, th- I thought, what if I do that in Scripture? What if I just have a place? When I don't know what else to read, this is where I'm going to go. 
Um, just simply to have the discipline of somewhere where I open up scripture. And for me, that's been Ephesians recently. I don't know why. It's what I've been drawn to. And so I've been reading Ephesians on a regular basis. And as I keep returning time and time again to Ephesians, what's amazing is it's doing exactly what those TV shows did. I'm beginning to memorize and know God's word, but it may be even more importantly, understanding Ephesians in a way that I hadn't before. What Paul was saying, what God was encouraging the church with. And these are just, I'm just sharing with you (laughs) things that I've done. Um, You can take those if you want, if they're helpful. Uh, But the overarching point is this. When we meditate on and we spend time in God's word, the better we're going to begin to really know him. Which leads me to our second point today is this. We hide God's word in our heart to know his voice more intimately than any other voice In chapter 10 of John's gospel, um, Jesus is speaking to a group of Pharisees. He's using an analogy of a shepherd and his sheep to help them understand this beautiful relationship between Jesus and his followers. The sheep are all who believe and follow Jesus, and the shepherd is Jesus himself. Look what he says in John 10, 4 through 5. He says, after he, Jesus, has gathered his own flock, all of the believers, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. And then he says, they won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. And then just a few verses later, Jesus goes on to talk about a very real enemy that we have, the devil, Satan himself, and that he has come to steal and to kill and destroy, but that Jesus, the good shepherd, has come to give us life and life to the full. Now, if you have kids, then you've probably experienced um, a glimpse of, of what it's like to have somebody know your voice really intimately. Now, while my older kids seem to be losing their hearing these days, um, the newest addition to our family has reminded me of how attentive babies are to the voice of their parents. Uh, Here's a picture of our almost five-month-old Miles. Um, I can't believe he's almost five months already. Uh, Time really starts to fly the more kids you have, by the way. And... um, But when I get home, one of my favorite things is when I get home from work each day um, or I've been out for a while and I'll come home and I'm talking with the family and we're just kind of sharing about our day. And as I'm speaking, I can be sure of one thing. Somewhere in that room, there's this little chubby cheeked face baby with his deep blue eyes and he's just locked eyes with me and listening the whole time I'm talking. And just like Miles will lock eyes with me, his father, the whole time while I'm speaking, The same thing is true when we get to know our Heavenly Father's voice that intimately. When we hide God's word in our hearts, his voice actually begins to become the loudest voice in our lives. His voice begins to drown out the voice of the world around us and the voice of the enemy who tries to tempt us. Which brings us to our third point today, which is this. We hide God's word in our hearts so we won't sin against him. And this is the larger point that the psalmist is making in verse 11, right? I have hidden your word in my heart. Your word is so valuable. I'm putting it in a place where it cannot be taken. And all this that I might not sin against you, my father who loves me. I don't want to sin against you. When we hide God's word in our hearts, 
his living and his active word actually starts to become a defense against the enemy and the spiritual forces that are at work every day all around us. The enemy who came to steal and to kill and destroy. In Matthew chapter 4, we see the fruit of what it looks like when God's word has taken root in our heart. Um, Matthew records Jesus, Jesus who is the pioneer and perfecter of faith, um, who is led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he's going to be tempted by the enemy. Many of us know this passage. Matthew 4, 1 through 11 says this, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Yeah. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. I don't think we have to, it doesn't take a whole lot of imagination to imagine fasting for 40 days and 40 nights and then temptation of bread or something to eat. But look how Jesus responds. He says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What I find so fascinating about the response Jesus makes here is one, not only does he quote scripture back to the enemy, but the passage he's quoting, he's saying, listen, We are not to live just on physical food, but every word that comes from the mouth of God, we're to live on his word. And the devil took him to the holy city, verse five, and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Notice how now the enemy says, okay, I can do that too. I can quote God's word. I, uh, a few weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago now, uh, I was having a conversation with my kids and I asked them, hey, what if I told you I heard your mom say, and then I made up some, some sort of sentence that Haley would never say. And they're like, no, mom would never say that. And I said, well, what if, what if I told you I heard her say this? And they were like, no, like they're just like, stop being a dad, right? Like you're so annoying. Um, we don't, don't want to play your games. Um, but what I, what I was reminded of in that exercise is our kids, my kids know um, not just Haley's voice, but they know how Haley talks and, and the things that she would say and the things that she wouldn't say. And in this moment, as the enemy quotes scripture, he's twisting God's word in a way that this is not what God meant when he said this. And Jesus knows this. He knows his father's voice so well. And he says this to him in verse seven. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Verse eight, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him. The devil fleed and the angels came and attended to Jesus. What overflowed out of Jesus in a time of desperation, of physical hunger and weakness that he's experiencing, it was God's precious and living, active word. God's word that brings life to all who receive it, but also strikes down the enemy who tries to come against it. When we hide God's word in our heart, we do it so that we will not sin against him. We, want, we have an actual weapon against the enemy Psalm 1, 1 through 3 says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight 
is in the law. The psalmist is talking about God's word is in the word of the Lord and who meditates on his law, on his word day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on it day and night. The psalmist here is kind of capturing what the psalmist in 119 is capturing. It kind of brings us back to that question of, have I personally discovered the value of God's word in my own life? And please hear me when I say this today. If you go home today over the course of the coming weeks or the coming months, and you read your Bible because some pastor at Genesis told you you should, um, or because you are carrying some level of guilt um, and feel like you need to read your Bible more or you're, going to, you're a bad Christian or whatever you might think or like how many times you feel like you should read your Bible or whatever that might be. Um, if you approach God's word with those type of motivations or that's your reasoning, I believe you'll actually miss out on the joy of his word. Because the Pharisees approached uh, God's word in a very similar way. In fact, they memorized uh, most of the Old Testament. They memorized the Torah. They, they knew the Old Testament through and through. They studied his word diligently. But in John chapter 5, Jesus says this to them. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. But these are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. You see, the most religious and the most devoted to God's word actually missed the word Jesus himself. They memorized and they meditated on God's word, right? They, they followed his laws and his regulations, but they missed Jesus along the way. The point of today's message is not to convince anyone or guilt anyone into reading their Bible more. The purpose of today is to remind each of you, to remind each of us, the great love that our Heavenly Father has for us. A God who loves you so much that He sent His Son to save you. Because really the greatest treasure that we have has been given to us in Jesus Himself, the Word that became flesh and dwelt among us. And it's that gift, it's, it's that love that draws us to God's word. It's that love that draws us to know our heavenly father more intimately and to know his voice. And the hope is that this year that you'll meet Jesus in God's word. And if you don't know Jesus today, I wanna invite you into a relationship uh, with him. Jesus is the son of the living God. Jesus uh, is the son of the creator of all things. Actually, all things were created through Jesus. Nothing has been created except through him. And Jesus came to this earth and he lived a perfect and a spotless and a sinless life. And he did all of this and he died on a cross for your mistakes and for your sins and mine so that you could have eternal life with him so that you could be reconciled, restored back to a perfect relationship with God. But he didn't stay in the grave. He didn't just die on a cross. He was raised again by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus did all of this so that you and I could have a new life and a new way of living on this earth 
and for all eternity. And to receive this new life, all that you have to do is put your faith in Jesus. And putting your faith in Jesus is simply this. It's recognizing and it's admitting I'm broken, I'm sinful. And even though I have made mistakes in my life, I'm choosing today to believe and to put my faith and my trust in Jesus and his perfect grace that covers all of my sins through his death and his resurrection. That's all that's required. It's just faith and and believing in Jesus. And if you want to make that decision today, or you've made it recently, I want to encourage you to find me or find one of our staff after service today. Because one, we'd love to celebrate with you, but we'd also love uh, to answer any questions that you might have. But whether you, you are choosing to follow Jesus today for the first time, or you've been following him for years, hear me when I say this, memorizing and meditating on God's word is important. Yes, it is important. But to hide God's word in our heart, we have, we have to move past just cognitive memorization or just going through the motions. It has to move into a relationship where it moves from mind to heart. Because God gave us his word to experience a relationship with him. A relationship every single one of us in this room were created to have with our father. I love the way that the psalmist describes his desire for God in Psalm 42, one through two. It says this, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Does your soul thirst for the living God today? Does it long to be with him? Then I want to encourage you, come and meet him in his word this year. Hide his word in your heart where it's hidden and it's secure where nobody can steal it from you and let his word begin to satisfy every need that you have. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for your great love for us. A love so great that you would give up your one and only son so that we could be restored back to you so we could have a relationship with you. Lord, teach us to walk closely with you this year. God, help your word be a lamp to our feet and a light for our path as we learn to hide your word in our hearts this year. Come in and transform us from the inside out. We want to know your your voice more intimately than any other voice. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who covers all of our sins through his perfect sacrifice on the cross. Let us rest in that truth as we walk in his righteousness daily. Help us to abide in you. We pray all of this in your son's name. Amen.